You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 19 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today and equipping you to make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. In episode 10, we talked to two of our favorites, Hal and Melanie Young, about the hormone battle for girls. Since that episode, we've had a lot of requests to talk about how changing hormones affect boys as well, something I'm happy to dive into because, well, as you know, I have all boys. Oh yeah, me too. We have all boys on this panel, um, or at least two-thirds of this panel today. Um, I do feel like there was a, a specific day, as I look back at, at you know how our kids now, 12 and 14, have grown, I feel like there was a specific day or maybe a specific time frame uh, where something happened in both of my boys that took them from sweet to salty. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I've always had uh, what I like to call hard to handle boys or H2H boys, but hormones really do affect them in, this, in, in some of the same ways as they do affect girls as well. So uh, David Thomas, I remember having a, a talk with him one time, our counselor friend once told me that when boys hit around age 12, they become so socially aware of what everyone is thinking about them that it's no wonder they can't remember to put away their shoes. <laughs> so, Oh, that's the problem. That's oh, okay. Makes yes. sense. <laughs> and it's all about the same time as these hormones are, are happening. So they're literally being bombarded by both hormones and social awareness for the first time. Never mind that they're, you know, the fact that they're wondering what everybody else is thinking ab- about them. People are thinking about them a whole lot less than they think they're thinking about them. Oh, true. But it's, true. it's a real thing in their mind. And that perspective really helped me to have more compassion for my boys. So I'm very anxious to hear from Hal and Melanie on this subject. Hal and Melanie have raised six boys. God bless you. So I figure they have something to say about this topic. Whether you're a boy mom dealing with the changes in your son and how his battle with his hormones affects your family life, or a girl mom trying to help your daughter understand and relate to the boys she encounters day in and day out, today's episode is for you. We're welcoming two of our very favorites to the podcast to talk about navigating the hormone battle with grace. Hal and Melanie Young are the parents, as Erin said, of eight children, six boys and two girls, and they are popular speakers at homeschool conventions all over the country. Their book, Raising Real Men, is one of our top recommendations for boy moms, and they speak to all kinds of topics with truth, grace, and a great sense of humor. Hal and Melanie, welcome to the podcast again. Tell us about yourself and your family. Oh, thanks. We appreciate it. So glad to be here. We have six boys. Five of our boys are adults. Mm -hmm. We have one boy still at home and two girls at home. In fact, y'all, for the first time in the entire history of our family, 
since we took our son to college two weeks ago, we're a majority girl family at home. Oh my goodness, how does that feel? The tears. Right. Really, really yeah. weird. Yes. It's such a shift. Yeah, because our boy, God gave us our boys first. Mm-hmm. And so we were always a majority boy family. And now all of a sudden, most of our boys are grown. But you know what? Y'all, it's the very best time of life. When you can see your kids walk with Jesus when you can't make them anymore, mm-hmm. man, it is the very best time of life. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm, you know, I think both of us, Aaron and I, are starting to see little pieces of fruit develop in our kids. I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. Um, her oldest is 13. We have stair steps from you know below that. So we're starting to see some of that, some of the effort that we've put in as parents begin to, you know, God began to develop fruit in those areas. And it's such, it really is a great time, but I do look forward to really seeing them fly. And it's, it's part of the reason that we love having you guys on the podcast is because you're ahead of us in the game and you can speak right. to the places where we are and the places where the people are listening who are even behind us with that, you know, hindsight of, of having the kids, having your grown kids where you are right now. So we're very happy to have you again. Um, and I know our audience loves you guys. The last time we had you on the show, we were talking about the way hormones affect girls. Yes. Today, we want to pull, we want you to pull out your, we raised six boys hats and talk to us about the same issue as it relates to our boys. Um, I remember, Melanie, several years ago, hearing you say, and I don't know if I'm going to get this analogy just right. You correct me if I'm wrong. It was something like when they turn nine years old or so, they go from sweet and innocent to behaving something like a green-eyed dragon. <laughs> like it just happens all of a sudden and moms are left wondering what in the world just happened. So talk to us about that phenomenon. Well, it's a, it can happen anytime really between for boys, because boys tend to go through this on average about two years later than girls. It can happen anywhere between nine and 15. Mm-hmm. And, but what it is, it's the first couple of years of puberty. But when we think of puberty with our boys, we picture broad shoulders and, and shaving peach fuzz. Look, Mom, I've got a hair on my chest. I've got a hair on my chest, you know. You know, yeah, they, but, right. but that's really mm-hmm. toward the end of that couple of years. Mm-hmm. What happens first is the hormones start flowing that are going to cause those physical changes. And that has an immediate impact on their emotional stability and on their intellectual functionality. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on before their voice cracks. And so what happens to moms is sometime in this stage, Mm -hmm. it might be nine, it might be 13, it's often around 11. Sometime in the stage, the boys, it's like somebody flipped a switch and they go, as we talked about before we even started today, from sweet to salty. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody flipped a switch and moms are left going, is it me? Is it him? Is it aliens? What is going on here? Well, this is no, not my little boy. Well, it's not external. You know, it's nothing that you can observe. It's just suddenly they're behaving differently. Yeah. So Something. give us a picture of what that looks like. Like maybe an interaction that you had okay. with one of your okay, boys. So it looks like this. Okay. Son, in, would you change that shirt before you leave? It's really filthy. What's wrong with this shirt? This is my favorite shirt. You just washed it last week, and I haven't worn it but three times. And if I, if I, as long as I keep my coat on, nobody will notice the spots. And I, I, I think it's perfectly good. It's my favorite shirt, and you, I, I don't. You're always criticizing me. You, you, you need to change your I, shirt. I don't think you, you're always criticizing. I don't think you like me that much. I don't think you love me like you love my brother. I mean, I'm, and and I'm getting really tired of it. I mean, I'm always it's always criticism. I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore. 
Yeah, it looks like <laughs> I feel like we need to clap for you. That was that excellent. Was well done. Well done. You had lots of examples. I know. We had this exact conversation many, many times. And you left going, what on earth? How did we get from point A to Z in like two seconds flat? Yes. Yeah. That escalated very quickly. <laughs> the, classic, the classic one for me was one time we were sitting at the dinner table and we're talking about whatever we're talking about. And one of my kids who is at, at this age, one of my boys just pops off and says something really snarky. And, you know, my kids are, you know, they, they know. They're pretty respectful. They're pretty respectful most of the time. And this was just like totally off the wall. And, you know, I turned and stared at him. Melanie turned and stared at him. Everybody at the table turned around just aghast. And his eyebrows went up like, did that actually come out? Was that actually audible? Did I say that? Yeah, he actually did world? say. Oh my goodness, I'm going to get killed. But, but it was like it was like something had stripped his filters out, and yes. he suddenly leaked. <laughs> yeah. All those, all those and, things he was thinking in his head came out, and then yeah. Yeah. yep. I think that's one of the first signs is they lose their filters. Mm -hmm. And a couple of things from science, moms need to know. These kids can have up to fifty times the testosterone they will as adults. Now think about wow. that. Wow, fifty times! It's a wonder they're not axe murderers. Well, I mean, <laughs> thank I mean, you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it, I they, mean that's really huge. Yeah, and that's a huge thing for our guys to deal with. When we mm -hmm. realize that, it makes us more patient. It makes us more understanding because I would have a really hard time dealing with fifty times the estrogen. Mm. Uh -huh. You know? Yes. And and when you look at them and see they don't they don't even understand what's happening to them. You said that, that poor child he's overwhelmed. Yeah, you know, he's got some he's got more cards in his hand that he knows how to play. And yeah, when you understand that, then you can kind of take a breath and say, "All right, I need to respond with some understanding and some grace and some mercy, not the way I feel right this moment." And you're not going to let them get away with no sinful behavior no no but in understanding why they're having trouble controlling it this is it when they lose their filters you get to really see their hearts yeah that's and it that's scary yeah. and unpleasant mm -hmm. it's scary and unpleasant sometimes but that gives you a tremendous opening as a mom for prayer and for intervention yes very true and i think one of the biggest challenges for moms raising boys is that we aren't boys. <laughs> We've never been boys. We w didn't go through that. Um, in some ways, the very fabric of their existence, like the way they think, act, and understand the world around them is so completely other world for us. So what are some of the ways you have seen that boys in this age group, you know, like just as their hormones are starting to kick in, are different from us like we were as girls or as your own girls? Well, I, I tell you what's really easy, anger, anger, the, the irritability, the yeah. hostility, the aggression, just like the, because when we as moms or as girls feel hormonal, we tend to get weedy and sometimes we get catty and snarky, you know, rolling the eyes and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when boys feel hormonal, they tend to get full of rage and Male anger is very upset to a woman. Mm -hmm. And we can, that can make us lose it and lose our tempers 
and lash out or make us very defensive. And so the, the male anger, I think, is the most upsetting thing to moms. And also that sometimes under the impetus of this anger, our boys will even lash out physically. They'll hit their brothers. They'll punch a wall. You know, it's, it's almost a cliche. If you ask a mom of a boy, she's probably had to repair a wall somewhere. Where her boy doors. doors in our yeah. home tends to be yes. this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Door frames, doors, walls, something where, and, and, and that's embarrassing to us. We think, oh my goodness, my son was that out of control. But yeah, they get that out of control. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's good to normalize that on some, I mean, not that you normalize it like you all said, we're not, we're not saying it's okay. We're not right. saying that, that they can just punch their brother and, and right. everything's okay or, you know, God right. punch their sister, but yeah. it is somewhat of a normal response for, for boys to respond more physically than yes. girls. And, yes. and that's part of, part of the training that we have to give them as parents, you know, to understand. Now, you, the other thing that we see with the boys, you know, just like you say, yeah, the girls tend to be weepy first, but they also can be kind of irritable. Well, the guys tend to be on the irritable scale first, but they also can get quite weepy. They get, yeah, very, they get very, they can get very morose and depressive and, and sad and, and, and they swing back and forth. Yeah. And, and they're desperate to be seen as adults and to be seen as men, but they also sometimes need the reassurance of kids and they want to, they want you just to hold them. And this is, Moms really need to let their boys lead in this way. If he feels like being held and being treated like a baby for a little bit, treat him like a baby. If he wants to be, no thanks, mom, I've got it. Let him get, let him take it. But yeah, they go back and forth between two and two and 20, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I've seen that a lot in our home and just even the idea that, you know, they want so much to be treated like adults, but they haven't quite earned the right yes. to be treated like adults, you know? Mm-hmm. I think maybe I heard you say one time how that with your boys, you could be so proud of something that they say one minute and then the next second you're like, he's a complete idiot, you know? Like it's yeah. just that up and down, up and down yeah. roller coaster. A roller coaster very much describes this, this age. And, and it's easy for us as parents to feel hopeless and, and like we're failing as parents and everything's out of control because our kids are on this wild roller coaster ride. And what Helen and I say all the time is they climb on an emotional roller coaster and they invite you to join them. Don't get a ticket for that ride. Yeah. Do not climb on the car. It's so super easy to climb on that roller coaster with them. It is. Yeah. Well, and I think moms often assume that the hormone battle with boys is not going to be emotional and it very much is. So they are surprised, you know, like they're expecting maybe the physicalness and that, and they are surprised by maybe some of that more emotional, weepy stuff. But that's totally normal. I mean, like, that yeah. is completely normal. It's just going to look a little bit different. And it might go from that, you know, intense anger to weepiness instead of being irritated and then weepy. Or, you know, it's just, it might look a little different. But emotional boys at this stage is completely normal. And, yeah, and you know, we, one of our one of our guys really struggle with this. I mean, they all do to some extent, but one of them, the one who just like over the top with it, I found that sometimes he needed a hug from dad. Yeah. Sometimes he needed a man to gather him up and say, son, I'm on your side. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. And, and, you know, sometimes they don't, they don't want mommy so much as they just need the reassurance and sometimes dad is the person that can do that. So, yeah. so there's a role for both parents here by all means. 
Yeah, I love that. I th- I've seen and noticed that it's become more important for, not that it's less important for my boys to have time with me, but it is more, it is becoming increasingly important for them to have some dedicated time with dad. Um, so we fight for time, you know, to make sure that they get to go fishing together or do things, which I hate fishing anyway. So it's a great time for them to, to go off and do their thing. And, and so we yeah. have to really protect that time. So what, so if we have these differences um, between, you know, our ability as moms to understand our boys simply because we aren't boys, how can we find common ground with them? How do we cross, how do we bridge the gap that, that's there? That's a great question, and this is really critical. It starts with discipline. It is very tempting at this age when your son becomes a towering inferno of rage or you, know, you ask him to change his shirt, he becomes the Hulk. It's very tempting to immediately go to discipline to say, you're not going to talk to me that way. Well, you're, it's true. You know, but you're still not going to talk to me that way. And, and well, it's you, true. You want me to tell the truth all the time, don't you? Say listen, that. okay, well, you're not going to go to the party this afternoon. I didn't want to go anyway. Well, well, then you're not going to play basketball this weekend. This is a stupid game. It's too hot and the bugs eat me up and I don't have any friends anymore. So I don't want, I don't want to do that. You can, that's, I don't care. You're so grounded that, for a week. I don't care. I don't care. You're grounded for a month. Make it a year. It doesn't matter. I don't have any friends. I don't have a life. It's, it's, everything's miserable. And pretty soon you've grounded them for 20 years and you just <laughs> that work and you can't follow through on that i mean come on <laughs> you've lost all credibility now as a parent yes it, but see it's tempting with the seven-year-old who sasses us we say meet me in the laundry room and you administer discipline and you deal with it right if you try that with this age you're in world war three because they're irrational the secret, well yeah. they're irrational and they're they're almost bigger than you oh yeah and that, they're, that and they're, yeah. they're completely irrational. And so what you've got to do, and this is so, so, so important, is you have to invest in the relationship first. And so you do that by listening. And that's super hard when they're acting like idiots or when they're losing their temper or when they're being incredibly disrespectful. You're not going to let them get away with it. No, but you can't go immediately to the correction like you would when they were five or six years old, no. you know, you have to, you have to take a breath and let them kind of talk themselves out of the tree, you know, yeah. and, and say, okay, what's on your mind? What, why is it? Why are you upset? Help me to understand this. Yeah. Come sit down. Tell me what's going on here mm-hmm. and listen to them and let them say everything they want to say. And that takes time. And we don't want to spend that time. Mm-mm. We've got other things we want to do. It's always it happens at a time when we're busy. And we don't want to spend that time, but we've got to. And so sit down, tell me what's going on. I want to understand you and listen. And then when they they start getting rational again, Mm -hmm. then you take them to the word and you explain what they did wrong. You explain reality to them. You know, maybe it's something that they didn't do wrong, but something that can't be helped. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry that, that that turned out that way. The coach really wasn't fair. I don't think so either, but he is the coach and we can't change that. Mm-hmm. You know, is, but, or you might have to apologize. Sometimes we lose yep. it and we have to apologize, but mm-hmm. then you rash, then you deal with them rationally after they've shared, after they've calmed down. 
and you know, then you punish at the end. You know, then you discipline. It's really important to remember that discipline comes from the same root word as disciple, meaning to teach. It's not just about punishment. You know, any correction you do is meant to draw them to Christ, to to teach them better behavior, to teach them a better way of, of life. And when they're irrational, they're unteachable. And yeah. so you do need to let that little storm burn out. Now, the thing, one thing about it is their pendulum swings so fast that if you just give them a couple of minutes to talk themselves down, then a lot of times that'll, the storm will pass and then you can pick it up when there's a cognizant being looking out of those eyes again. Yeah. Then you can talk. And, and here's the thing. Take that same lesson from discipline and use it all through the day. Listen to them. When your child wants to talk, you need to listen. Even if it's about stupid stuff, it's really tempting when they come on and say, mom, guess what did Minecraft today? You go, uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm busy. But if you don't listen to them, they will not listen to you. At this age, they need relationship. They need connection. And you get that. They, listen, they will talk about what you want to talk about only if you talk about what they want to talk about. That is so good. And I, I want to camp there just for a second with kind of a follow-up question to that. You've made it very clear that relationship with your boy is probably more important at this stage. And I would guess the next stage um, even more so. What would you say to a mom who's listening right now that doesn't feel like she has that kind of relationship? How does she get it at this stage? I have been there. Um, one of my kids was a mid-teen. I realized he was super reserved, and I realized, you know, I really don't know this guy, this kid's heart. He kind of snuck up on us because his older brothers were like, everything is out. Everything is yes. on the table. Too much information. You know what they're thinking. Yes, and he just di didn't. Mm -hmm. And actually, we read some really interesting research, marriage research. Did we share this with you guys before? No, I don't think so. Okay. We, sh we read some interesting marriage research that, sh that showed... I won't go into the whole thing because I know we have limited time, but basically it showed that how you respond to the little tiny bids for attention are critical to long-term health of your relationship. And that's, that can be really simple things like, could you get me a glass of water while you're in the kitchen or listen to this stupid joke or any little thing that interrupts you and says, pay attention to me for a second. Because we, you know, we're all busy. We got a million things going on. We've got a million children to pay attention to. And it's really easy to say, uh-huh. Uh-huh, sure. Mm -hmm. Or grunt. Or we, you know, we're listening with one ear, which means we're not really listening. And and that's almost worse than arguing with them. Yeah, and so we read this research, and we talk about this at more length in our book, No Longer Little, mm -hmm. Parenting Tweens with Grace and Hope. But I started watching for his bids for attention and realizing that they were very, very small. Um, he would walk by me and say something like, saw an interesting animal today and just keep going. And I realized that my normal reaction was, mm-hmm. And I stopped that. I stopped, started lifting my eyes up from what I was doing and looking at him and saying, really tell me about it. And y'all, that simple, simple, simple thing, change, completely changed our relationship. Because I began watching for when he was reaching out to me and making sure that I reached back. 
And it transformed our relationship so much that when he left home, this super reserved son that I'd barely seen any emotion from in all his years wept when we left Mm. and held on to me and told me how much he was going to miss me and how much he loved me and how much he valued our relationship. And it just came from listening for those little tiny bits for attention and responding to them. And the, the hope there is that's a simple, easy change. That's not a huge lifestyle change. And if you blow it today, you can get it right tomorrow. Yeah, it's not right. something that's going to fix fix your relationship by Thursday, but it'll take it's, weeks it's like, or months. But it's it's like it's like he's fishing for your attention. And if if he throws that line in the water, you need to pull it a little bit closer. Just just grab hold and say, oh, you know, respond to it. See if you can get him to pull back. I will never forget. We sh- talked about this in a keynote we did at a conference in California, and a mom came up to me afterwards, weeping, and she said. I have not been able to understand what was wrong with our relationship. And I heard you speak and I realized just the other day, my son said, you never listen to me. You never talk to me. And she said, I feel like I talk to him all the time and he doesn't respond. But she wasn't hearing him. Mm -hmm. So that's my advice is watch for those little tiny bits for attention when he wants to share about something that you think is ridiculous and a waste of time. Yep. And we know, we know from our years of being the mob society that we would get comments and letters and emails about that all the time about, I just don't understand what he likes and it's so hard to connect with him on that, but it's so important. And it, it doesn't mean you have to know everything about it. It just means you have to listen and ask questions and show interest. And that means the world to them. Yes, because that's showing interest in what they care about is telling them, I care about you. Exactly. Than you. Exactly. And you as a person, not just you as my project. <laughs> yes, that's a good distinction. Yes, very good. Yeah. You know, well, you know one thing that we see with, with parent and child relationships, also between you know married couples, is that when you go to a new church, a new neighborhood, a new job, you know how to reach out and make friends with people. You know, you know how to be polite to folks that you don't yet know that well, but we don't take that same skill back home, you know, and we think, Oh, that's, that's my, that's my child. Okay. We've got him in a bucket somewhere. We don't realize that is a person. That's a human being. A real human he has being. feelings. He has opinions and thoughts and wishes and desires. And, you know, part of being able to, to disciple them is getting to know this individual person that God's created in your home. And so that, that interaction, even when you think not Minecraft again, not Fortnite again, (laughs) you know, you wouldn't say that to your, to your friend at church. You know, Oh, don't tell me about your grandkids again. You wouldn't say that. You would listen politely and need to ask some questions to show, Hey, I'm paying attention to you. That, that really pays dividends. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, that hits home very much. So, well, okay. So let's talk about experiences like mine, the moms listening who maybe grew up in all female homes, which I just had a sister, like no, no brothers. You know, I had plenty of boy cousins, but that's not the same as growing up with Mm -hmm. a brother in the house. And, Mm -hmm. um, I really had no experience or personal knowledge of the process of going through the the hormonal changes and everything because 
I didn't have that in my house. So what do they need to know about their sons to give them empathy and compassion as they go through this season? You just talked about listening. Well, what, what else can we do to really have that empathy and compassion in those moments when the hormones are rearing their ugly head? Okay. You need to know that these hormones are affecting your sons in a bunch of different ways. They're changing them physically, and that's going to be a real shock. They're going to shoot up like you've never seen. I remember one boy that grew five inches in five months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Try, try keeping him in clothes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be physical changes, but know that this emotional craziness that's going on in your home, the root cause is the hormones. Mm -hmm. And it's going to bring out sin that you can deal with. It's going to bring out some relationship stuff you can deal with, but the root cause is hormones. Mm -hmm. The hormones also cause stumbling in school, addle-headedness, they're just easily distracted, yeah. they can't focus. Mm -hmm. The part of their brain that governs those executive functions literally dissolves and reforms into the adult version. So when mm -hmm. they look at you and it looks like the shades are up and nobody's home, it's true. Well, and, and well, how, I was going to say, how, how poorly timed is that? I'm just thinking of, I have two in middle school right now, and the one just starting sixth grade, I think he's 11 and he's switching from having one teacher that gives all the you know all the yeah. work and everything not a lot of homework in elementary school to now he has a different teacher every you know hour and homework to, so much homework to keep track of and we're expecting them to do this while they're <laughs> dealing with all that mental stuff <laughs> personally i think it's foolish and it didn't used to be that way right you know it's very it's it does not match their developmental needs at that age. Mm -hmm. um, they are very addled. They can't remember things that they learned last year. They can't concentrate. Schoolwork takes them forever. They can't literally cannot remember to brush your teeth. And it's very important that we don't lose our, our tempers mm -hmm. and think that it's rebellion when it's not. Rebellion says, I'm not going to do it, mama. Right. When they go, oh, I forgot. They really did forget. You know, <laughs> One thing that's kind of indicative to me is we, we talk to a lot of parents and around the country and they'll, they'll unload all of their frustration with this child and they'll say, Oh, and he's, he can't keep track of things and he's always forgetful and he's destructive and he's, but then they'll say, but you know, really he's a good kid, but yeah. It's, okay. That tells you right there. This is not a matter of rebellion. That's not rebellion. This is a matter of, the hormonal stuff that's affecting his brain and his concentration and memory and everything else. Because when you look at him, you say, you know, there's still a good kid underneath all of this frustration. And, and if we treat that as rebellion, that they can't help, we're going to break our relationship with them. So yeah. we need to be cautious about that, about not getting so frustrated with their stumbling in school and forgetful about their chores and stuff that we treat things as rebellion and art. Mm -hmm. The, the, other area that's super important to remember is that the emotional craziness and the intellectual changes, because they're also able to analyze things in a way they couldn't before, mm -hmm. almost always leads to spiritual doubts. This is a time for strong spiritual doubts. It's a time when they tend to either make their faith their own and develop an adult faith, or they develop doubts that will haunt them through high school and college. Mm -hmm. And also the awakening of the hormones causes a dangerous level of, of sexual curiosity in a world where, you know, your the smartphones in everybody's pockets can get given instant access to perversion. Mm -hmm. 
And that's something that that's definitely a distinction that we find between girls and boys. And, you know, both of them can fall prey to that, but boys are definitely more susceptible to that. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they both get victimized by that sexualized culture in different ways. Yeah. Um, and, you know, boys, because men are very visually tuned, you know, boys are much more susceptible to the lure of pornography, which has just become pervasive in the culture yeah. around them. So we have to be aware of that. We have to, we have to put safeguards in place to try to protect them from stumbling into it. Um, but also teach them what God intends about their sexuality and the goodness of it within God's guidelines, you know, and help them learn how to fight to protect their own, their own innocence, their own integrity, if you will, you know, recognize that we're not going to be there every second. We're not going to be, I mean, even if you're homeschooling your kids and you're in a little small, a little small church and you supervise everything, you, you can't be there every second of the day. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to teach our sons and our daughters, you know what, this is what God's created. This is what's right about it. Here's a boundary. You cannot cross that boundary. And they need to get in the battle themselves. And we've got, we've got a set of resources. I'll send you a link mm-hmm. that you can share with people. We've got a page of resources that'll help them figure out some help for their boys there. Um, including we've got a book for 12 and up boys, mm-hmm. but it, I think that that comes as a huge shock to moms who that was, moms for most moms that wasn't a part of their lives until they were much older and so i think that the the way our boys stumble into things the average age of exposure to porn for boys is now less than 12 mm-hmm. and that's the average meaning half of them are exposed way before them right so i love okay so i wrote down two things brooke and i are always taking notes during these things because we're like this is so good but i think these two are worth repeating forgetfulness and rebellion are two different things and a lot of the behavior that happens in this time in their lives is purely forgetfulness it's not a refusal to do what you asked it's just they totally forgot and it's not because they weren't listening it's not because you know they hate you it's they just forgot and to distinguish between that now that doesn't mean they won't rebel cuz they totally could with all those hormones raging through them, but distinguish between those two really clearly. And the second thing was let them or put them in the battle against these, you know, temptations and everything that has been key in our home. Like I, I can say and block and do whatever I want, but until they own it and, and fight for their own innocence and purity themselves, it doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. just mom and dad putting on restrictions. But if you have a why behind it, and it's, you know, we have good reason because God has told us why, and you empower them to battle for themselves as well, that makes a huge difference. It really does. It makes all the difference because if they are determined to sin in this area, it's too easy these days. Right. They will. And so if they're, if they're in the battle themselves, even if they fall, they'll come and get help. And, you know, a mom contacted just recently. She said, my son just came and begged me for help. He'd gotten involved in porn. Tell me what to tell him, you know. But that was a great situation. that He trusted his mom enough to come and said, 
help me, I'm in sin. That's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, and it comes from that time spent building relationship with that child, that they would trust you enough to come. And I think it's important as well to say that they would trust, that they would trust your reaction to it. Um, I think uh, somebody, and I, if I could credit the right person, I would, but we've, we've talked before to someone who said it's very important when your children come to you and they share with you things that other kids have done, not mm-hmm. to react towards the other kids, because in some ways that is helping them gauge how you're going to react if they come to you oh, yeah. with the same yeah. problem. And so we've had, you know, with one in high school now um, and spending, you know, a lot more time with peers and things like that, we've had plenty of opportunities to talk about what's happening in the lives of his friends and other, other people that he's, he's with at, at ball practice or whatever. I mean, he tells me these things and I've, I've tried very hard to number one, not overreact to them, but number two, to help him learn something from that, to say, okay, this is the kind of man that this, that this person is, this is the kind of man I really, really want you to be. This is the kind of man that God says he wants you to be. This is the way this guy is, is taking advantage of this woman. God made you to be a protector of women. This is who you are. Be this person. You know, we can use those. I wouldn't wish bad circumstances on any of the other children that my children hang out with. But I think there is an element of being able to look at them and say, um, you know, let's not become what let's let's use this to our advantage and figure out how we can help our children see or learn something from it. Well, sometimes our kids raise trial balloons too. They will share a situation that happened to a friend, just like we do on Facebook. We'll yeah. say, you know, a friend was wondering. <laughs> yeah. I'm asking for a friend. Asking for a friend, but sometimes they will share situations and say, "Well, this happened to this, this person I know, and it might be them or it might be their best friend." but they're raising a trial balloon to see how are you going to react before I tell you that I'm involved in this situation. And so it's, yeah, you're right. It's super important how we handle that. It is. All right, guys. So our, the focus of our ministry here at Million Pray Moms is to help parents make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Can you list a few things that you think parents need to be praying about or for their children as they're battling the effects of raging hormones? Well, this is, I mean, this is such a critical time in their spiritual development. Yes. You know, when they're five or six, a lot of times they become sensitive and a lot of times they profess Christ. But when they get to be nine, 10 or 12 or something, almost all of them go through some spiritual instability and doubt. So we want to pray that God will, will guide them, that the Holy Spirit will speak in their hearts and that there will be a movement toward God and not away from it. Yeah, that those doubts will be resolved. And they'll be deeply rooted in Christ. They'll develop an adult faith. Mm -hmm. And we need to pray for ourselves in dealing with this, that we'll be able to keep our tempers. Somebody's got to be the adult that we'll keep, that we can keep our temper and pray for self-control for them. And for us, this is a time that will conform you to the image of Christ. It'll drive you crazy. And it's easy for us to lose it. And so we need to be praying for self-control for both of us and to keep from sin for both of us. Um, We need to pray for our kids' holiness and for them to resist the temptations of the world that are all around them at this age. It's really, it's scary if you look at the statistics of what's going on in middle school right now. Uh, The percentage of kids that are 
watching porn that are sexually active. It's, it's really upsetting. And we want our kids to stay away from that sound. And, you know, you, you mentioned, I think it, before we started the, uh, before we started the interview, you mentioned that, uh, uh, that, that hypersensitivity to what people are thinking about me, what people are looking at and seeing in me, you know, helping our children to understand that their identity is not rooted in social media. It's not in, rooted in their peer group. Their identity is rooted in who they are in Christ and as members of the family that God has placed them in. And that they can take comfort knowing that every single one of their peers is just as awkward as they are. And they are just as <laughs> and certain and messed up as they themselves are. Nobody else is cool. They need to understand that there are no cool kids at this age. <laughs> I'm really by nature very shy. And, and most people laugh when they hear that because I speak to thousands of people every year, but I really am. And this stage was actually the beginning of me being able to overcome that. And then I became so, so socially anxious that it, it got on my nerves. And I decided, okay, I'm going to think, try to think about other people instead of thinking about me. And so I would look for, when I went into a group of people, I'd look for the girl who looked uncomfortable. And I would go try to make her feel comfortable. And so if we can get our kids to take their eyes off themselves and to, and to turn it toward compassion and ministry, looking at others, then that'll help them to overcome that social anxiety that's, nest, that's common at that age. Mm-hmm. So we need to be praying for our kids to have the confidence and the compassion to navigate the social waters of this age. Life is so much better when we think about ourselves less. Oh, it yeah. really is, no matter what age you are, right? Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, we always like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share one verse or passage they're currently praying for their children. So what's a prayer you guys have on your heart for any of your kids? You know what? We have, we have several kids who are adults, and one of the things which is a common prayer is is like Proverbs eighteen twenty two. It says, "He who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord." You know, we've got several guys that are in different stages of relationship, and we're praying for God's guidance and wisdom in all of those. Yeah, one of our sons is married. One is newly engaged as of two weeks ago. Oh, yay! Uh, congratulations. And several are in relationships. So yeah, we're praying over those five adult kids. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Lord, give them favor to find those godly women who will who will be their co-laborers in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. I love that. Such yeah. a different stage than us right yeah. now. But we can still be praying that, you know? Just mm-hmm. find it in ten years. <laughs> yeah. And the, the other one is Ephesians six thirteen. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, we have three kids that are in various stages of college or graduate school. They are, you know, they face the the normal challenges of that stage. It's tough. It's really hard. One of one of ours is taking a course that is just absolutely ridiculously evil, and he has to have it. And so we're praying for them that they would be able to take up the whole armor of God and stand firm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That is such a great, such a great prayer. I know someone challenged me years ago when I brought it to a group of women that I was, I was praying for the Lord to keep my sons from, um, from, from trouble, really from temptation. And she said, you're praying for the wrong thing. He's going to be tempted. 
he's going to be, he's going to find his way. Trouble is going to find him. Um, yeah. in, that, in that stage, you, your prayer for him needs to be that he'll stand because it's going to come. Yeah. Your prayer should be that it will stand. So that just is right in line with our hearts. Amen. Good deal. All right. Hal and Melanie, thank you so much for joining us today. And as always, you are some of our favorites. We so enjoy laughing with you and getting the point across um, with humor and fun and seriousness all mixed together. Tell our listeners where they can learn a little bit more about you guys and your ministry. Well, our, our main website is raisingrealmen.com. And I would encourage you guys in this stage you can go to no longer little.com where you can find the book at raising mm-hmm. We have a book called no longer little um, parenting tweens of grace and hope. That is the whole book is about this age and it's for parents of boys and girls. And honestly, it it's what we would have, what we wish we had had when our kids started going through the stage. And I think it'll be a real blessing. We're also everywhere on social media mm-hmm. at raising real men. And we have a, po- a weekly podcast mm-hmm. called Making Biblical Family Life Practical that you can find at howandmillie.com slash radio. All right. Well, that's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show, including all those links that she just mentioned there at millionprayingmoms.com. Our show notes will have all of that and including a link to order Helen Melanie's books, which we highly recommend to everyone we talk to. So go head over to those show notes and find all the links we just talked about and tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement podcast which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.